I wonder what your experience with God is like. I wonder what your experiences with God are like. And what do you have room for in your life in terms of experiencing God? Paul tells us in Acts chapter 17 that God is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. If God is the one in whom we live and move and have our being, how are you experiencing that God right now? What is your experience with God? Do you have a vibrant and growing relationship with Jesus? And what does that look like on a daily basis? I wonder today what your experience and experiences with God are like, and if your experience with God has room for questions. Do you have room for questions? I'd like to say that we have room for questions, and I've told people in other groups when I've had an opportunity to speak with other groups in this community that if you are a person who brings questions with you with your faith, this is a church that can hold space for you. We can hold space for your questions. But I wonder if God, as you experience God, holds space in your experience of God for your questions. Do you feel like you have permission to ask questions about God? And do you feel like you have permission to ask questions of God? Does your faith feel safe enough and secure enough for that? Is exploration still possible? Is it still possible for you to learn something new? Is it possible for you to realize that what you thought you knew may not quite line up with reality? Does your faith have space and security and safety for questions? This is one of the questions that this text prompted this week as I looked over it this week and last week and the week before that because there are things embedded in this story that raise questions, or they should if we're paying attention. Like, does God get so angry sometimes at us that an intercessor like Moses needs to hold God back before God incinerates us? Does God have that kind of a temper? Is this the God we've experienced in Jesus Christ? And in those kinds of experiences or in any kind of experience, does God ever change God's mind? In other words, do we have a God that can be set on something and knows that something is going to happen and there's a way to do that, there's a thing that needs to be done and God's made a decision and then because of intervention or intercession, God decides to do something else. Now many of us would be really uncomfortable with that and yet that's exactly what we see happening in this text. And there are different ways to explain that and describe that, and people have, but what I wonder is, do you have space to wrestle? Do you have space when faith feels uncomfortable and you have questions to allow those questions to be there and sit in the discomfort with them, with the hope that God might move you somewhere new in that discomfort? One of the fears we sometimes have is that if we move, we'll move too far. 
Is it possible to move too far, to ask too many questions, to move beyond where God is comfortable with us going? Psalm 139 says, when we go up to the heavens, the psalmist says, God is there. When we go down to the depths, God is there. The psalmist seems to indicate that there's no place we can go that God isn't with us. Is there something we can do? Is there a question that we can ask that would cause us to be separated from the love of God? Well, Paul doesn't think so. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not famine, not demons, not angels, perhaps not even questions. I wonder when we look at a text that may raise some questions about our own experience and knowledge of God if we have space to ask those questions. Most of us, if we're honest, and I would say most people, if they're honest, would say that their experience of God precedes their ideas about God. In other words, it's not the ideas that we learn or the ideologies that we've been given about God that shape us as much as our experiences with the living God and with life shape those ideas. Though sometimes, and I think this happens a lot, ideas can inhibit our experience with God. So we may have certain ideas that we have inherited And those ideas may freeze us, cause us to get stuck in a moment that seems like a really good moment at the time, but being stuck in any moment can lead you to a place where you begin to feel stagnant. I've had people over the years in my own uh, experience of faith that will come to a place where they feel pretty good about where I am, And when I get to that place, I've had people encourage me not to move on from that place. This is a good stopping place, they might indicate. Don't lose your passion. Don't ask too many questions. Do you have permission to think freely when it comes to your faith? I think God gives us the safety and the security in God's love to ask questions that can disrupt us and stir us forward in our faith. In fact, even before this story, we see a template story in Scripture for how Scripture seems to be guiding us to question and wrestle with our faith. And that is the very story of Jacob, the very story of Israel, You know, Jacob got his name Israel because he wrestled with God and then, of course, walked away both with a blessing that he demanded and a limp that he didn't expect. Sometimes when we wrestle with God, we walk away not just with a blessing but with a limp, and that makes us afraid. We're worried about what kind of limp we might receive or if we might be limping away from God altogether. But what we see in Scripture is that we're invited to wrestle. In fact, the people of God in Scripture came to be identified by this idea. Israel, one who strives or wrestles with God. And the Jewish people have taken this seriously over the years. 
What you'll see in family discipleship is Jewish families, and some, some Jewish families, sitting around table, particularly at Sabbath, but at other times, and engaging these stories and teaching their children to ask questions, to push back, to wonder, is this what God is really like? Or have we learned, is there some new piece of revelation? There's a, a theological idea called progressive revelation. And the idea in progressive re- revelation is that even in Scripture, as the revelation is unfolding, the revelation is unfolding. That as the people are experiencing more of God and learning more about God as they go, what they say about God and how they identify in their relationship with God seems to change. Until ultimately, we're given a key, a hermeneutic, a vision by God, which is God's own self, that everything else that is is meant to be measured by, and that is Jesus. And so we have different tools to wrestle with the text, and when we get into the wrestling, the primary tool is Christ. And what I would say is that when we wrestle with the text, with Christ before us, what we often find ourselves doing is wrestling toward a deeper relationship with God, even when that includes questions about God, struggles with God, A holy curiosity that only leads us forward even when it feels like it's pushing us back. One author has said this, and I think this is a way of thinking about progressive revelation that helps us wrestle with texts like this. He says, God is like Jesus. That's pretty much our central confession of faith. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. We didn't always know that, but now we do. God is like Jesus. God has always been like Jesus. We didn't always know that, but now we do. So that when we're wrestling with ideas about God in our life or in Scripture, perhaps one of the first questions we should ask is, does this sound like Jesus. Does it sound like the God revealed to us in Jesus? Does this story and the encounter with God here sound sort of like Jesus, a lot like Jesus, or not like Jesus? What have we learned about Jesus that might shape our experience of God? And that's important because when we're engaging the world and one another in it, we often participate in floating some very weird, odd, even dangerous ideas about God around. About God's temper. About God's anger. Anger can be healthy, but what we see here may raise some questions. Emotional health is very important to me, and I happen to believe that God and the God revealed in Jesus is the most emotionally healthy being in the history of creation. So sometimes in my way of wrestling with a story like this and wondering, is, is there any question I need to be asking about this in my own relationship with God? And in the text, sometimes I find myself asking the question, does this represent 
the most emotionally healthy being in all of creation? Is there a reactivity here in how I'm interpreting this that doesn't quite line up, that doesn't quite make sense? Is it okay to ask these kinds of questions? This is the real point I want to make today. Is it okay in your individual and our collective lives together to live with questions? Is it okay to push back? Is it okay to, like, Jesus, to like Israel, wrestle with God? Is it okay to keep on wrestling? Or when we've had a good experience, should we turn our faith at that point into a golden calf so that it can stay as it always has been? And we can learn to get our arms and our eyes and our heads around it in a way that's always comfortable for us? Or is it okay to keep asking questions? Is it okay for God to keep pushing at us and causing us to ask questions? My hope is that your question will lead you, your questions will lead you only into a deeper and more vibrant relationship with Jesus. Sometimes I think when we talk about experience versus idea in faith, it could lead us to think about this conversation I've heard a lot, uh, like people will say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You've heard that? Some of you may even say, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And you may feel really, that may be where you identify. And I can appreciate that because we're all spiritual beings. God has created us all and we're all spiritual beings and all meant to reflect the image of God. And yet there are things about my experience with God that has grown over time as God has made more space in me to hold those experiences. With questions, with prodding, with struggles in life and things like that. We... Our experience with God, if we'll allow it to, can cause us to grow in ways and experience God in ways deeper and wider than we've ever imagined. Religion is responsible for a lot of travesties in the world in history. But in Scripture, what we see the authors talking about is not a spirituality versus a religion, but we see a good kind of religion and a bad kind of religion. And what religion ultimately is, is the accumulated wisdom and experiences of communities over history and time. So that one of the things that we're doing when we're engaging with our own faith, and not just the faith of the day, but the, the faith of centuries, is we're looking at the wrestling of others. We're looking at how they wrestled with their questions. And we're looking about the ways they found that they could open themselves up to the God in whom we live and move and have our being. We see that in accumulated ideas. We also see that in accumulated habits. 
so that we're being urged not only to always be considering and reconsidering things about our faith as we get to know more about God, but also new practices, new kinds of prayer, new kinds of ways to encounter Scripture, new kinds of ways to serve. Good religion in the Bible has a lot to do with how we embody it in this life. We're always wrestling with this. We're always wrestling with this. We, we are made in the image of a God who was revealed early on to us as a wrestler. And who the people of God in Scripture came to know more deeply by wrestling with God. And so do you have permission to wrestle? I believe Scripture says you do. Do you have permission to ask the questions and live in the questions and even not have them uh, sort of always answered? Is that okay? Are you safe in that? I believe you are. My hope in all of this is that we will work out a faith that is a living faith among us. Not a dead faith, but a living faith. That we wouldn't continue to live just on the ideas and systems that have given us comfort in the past, although those are also good. But that we would be willing to continually allow God to engage us as we continually in thought, in word, and indeed engage God. Do you have permission to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your physicality, your strength? God made you and God understands you. God knows where the questions come from. God understands how our brains were designed and how they come about and how we wrestle. God designed all of that. Is God okay with us engaging in that? There is a grace and a love and a presence that is here with us now that we have permission to engage. And I hope that as you do and as you experience more deeply day after day, hour after hour, your own experience with God, that is our experience with God, you will also feel permission to share that. To bear witness to it. That's what it means to be evangelistic. To bear witness to what has happened in our faith. I wonder if there is if there are real, living, lively things that are happening on a daily basis with you in your relationship with God that are worth bearing witness to, that are worth sharing with others. I would love for us to be persons in a people who have an ever-growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus and who are the kinds of people who can help others learn to experience that as well. I think that idea and those experiences are worth chasing after. May God help us in that pursuit. Please pray with me.
Holy God, we pray, knowing you are present, knowing you are alive, knowing you are engaged, that you would help us to experience you, to engage you, to be shaped and molded by you, to grow deeper in love with you as you love us. Help us to be people who bear witness to your light and your love because we are people not just who know about it, but who are experiencing it and sharing it with our family and our friends and our neighbors in this world. Help us to be a church that at our witness in this place are constantly bearing witness to your aliveness and your love in our lives. All this we pray in the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who has been revealed to us most fully in Jesus and through your Holy Spirit. It's in this God's name that we pray in spirit that we live. Amen.